Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 27th, and our chapter for today is the book of Philippians chapter 1. Yes, Philippians is another one of those prison epistles. And when you read the book of Acts, you see the great history of the early church and how God gave birth to the church in Acts chapter 2 and how the early church began to reach out from Jerusalem into the Roman province of Judea and from Judea to Samaria, the northern province just north of Jerusalem and Judea. And then it scattered throughout the Greco-Roman world. And we read about that for the first eight to nine years. There were only Jews who were being brought into the family of God. But after the persecution that scattered the people from Jerusalem, God called Peter to go to the capital of Judea during the days of the Lord Jesus and of the apostles. And it was there that God chose a soldier, a military man, a fighter, someone to preach the gospel to that had already made leaps and bounds in coming to the God of the Bible. The Bible says that he was a God-fearer, and God opened up the heart of Cornelius and all of his family, and they were brought in as the first Gentiles. Now, the reason that's important is because at Philippi, we had another first. You see, in Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul had made his way to the ancient city of Troas. And as he was there in that city of Troy, It was the Spirit of God that gave him a vision. It was of a man in Macedonia, across the Aegean Sea, across the Bosphorus, out of Asia, onto the continent of Europe. And the Apostle Paul there picked up Luke and his other companions followed him, and they crossed over the Bosphorus at the crossing that would have landed them at the port city of Philippi. Philippi was inland. And so they landed and made their way to Philippi because it was a colony of Rome. And that's what the Bible teaches all the way through. It was a colony. Now, a colony of Rome was usually made up of military people, expats who had been given land because of their service and their faithful service to Caesar. So this was the case. Philippi was named after the father of Alexander the Great. His name was Philip of Macedon. He was the king of Macedonia. And this was the province, the Roman province of Macedonia, to which Paul and his companions had come. Now, it's interesting, as they preached the gospel, God gave a great revival. But as you'll recall, as they preached, they were put into prison. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 16. But the church was formed from the beginning of a woman being converted. She was the first convert, and she was Jewish, and she was in the city of Philippi, the first European convert 
that is, outside of the Asian continent. And so it was a Jewish woman by the name of Lydia. She lived on the continent of Asia in what was Asia Minor in the city of Thyatira. She was a businesswoman, a seller of purple. And she was there, and she and some women gathered outside the city had a beautiful, what we would call creek, but it's called a river. I've been there more than once and have seen the beauty of that place. And it's just outside of what would have been the area of the city, the walled city. It would have been a tremendous, wonderful place to meet. And it was there that she was baptized. Now, why was there not a synagogue? Paul usually went to a synagogue when he went into town. Well, this tells us that there were not enough Jewish men there even to form a synagogue. The women couldn't do it. And so you have to have a minion. You have to have at least 10 to come together for prayer as men. And so this tells us there were not even 10 men there that would form a synagogue. And so the women were outside on Shabbat and they were praying. And Paul went out there to pray with them. And as he did, he saw that God had opened up the heart of Lydia and Lydia came to know Jesus as her Messiah. And out of that was born the church at Philippi. Now, Philippi being that colony, it was a great, great, well-known place. And it is absolutely beautiful. It was in every way a historic place. It was just outside in the fields outside of the city of Philippi that Cassius and Brutus, that's right, the two that took part in the murder of Julius Caesar, they were routed here by Mark Antony and of Octavian, who was the grand nephew of Julius Caesar, that in the will of Julius Caesar became his adopted son. Now, the reason Octavian and Mark Anthony are important is because they made up the triumvirate that led Rome after the death of Julius Caesar and after this great battle outside of Philippi. It changed the course of history. So Philippi was a very important historical city. As you'll recall, Octavian, after his battle against his old friend and ally, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra, his name was changed to Augustus, not Octavian Caesar, but Augustus Caesar. And it was from Augustus that there went out a decree for the census so that the Romans could tax their citizenry. We'll talk more about that in the days ahead as we have in the past. But this is how the church at Philippi got started. So now Paul is writing back to them, and it is one of the most joyful letters in these four chapters. You have in concentrated form the words for joy, rejoicing, gladness, all of those happy words, joyful words are in this over and over and over again. It's a joyful letter. I can recall the first time I actually read through this, I read through it with a companion volume that had been written by Warren Wiersbe. Warren Wiersbe, if you are out there and you've never read his works, you should. Now, he was a great writer and um, absolutely a, a master at alliteration. He wrote a series called the B-Series. It was commentaries on the books of the Bible, not all, but several books of the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Galatians was 
B3. It was called the B series, of course, because of the be this, be that. In the book of Philippians, it was be joyful. And he pointed out joy stealers. And the reason that he called it be joyful is because joy rejoice all of the words and the concept behind it was there. The people at Philippi were not wealthy. There were wealthy people there. But remember, these were part of the Macedonian Christians that we've already learned about at Corinth when Paul used the Macedonian Christians as the example of people who were living in poverty, yet they were giving to him faithfully. They were the ones that had continuously and constantly given as an offering to God to support the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote to them with great fondness and and used them as a goad and as an encouragement to the wealthy Corinthians to give a worthy offering to the famished saints at Jerusalem. And so this book is one of joy. Paul is writing from a prison cell, and yet he's joyful. So Wearsby pointed out that circumstances couldn't steal our joy when we are walking with God. The people were fussing and fighting some there. At least two women were, Syntyche and Eodius. Some would say it was Eodius and Setuchi. And uh, we'll get to that when we get to uh, chapter 3. But all to say, Paul wrote to admonish them to be humble before one another. And in chapter 2, he gives the great passage on the emptying of Jesus, of his glory, and all that uh, he did to come to this earth and humble himself to become obedient, even obedience unto the death of the cross. When the Apostle Paul goes through the Philippians, you can just sense his closeness to them. And so in chapter 1, he starts out, Paulus and Timotheus, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Bondservant is the word doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. Doulos is the word for a bondservant, a bond slave. This was a willing slave, someone who was a slave and the time had come for them to be free. But instead of being freed, they said, you're such a wonderful master. You've been so good to me and my family. You're the one who's provided and taken care of us. I want to willingly serve you the rest of my life. I want to stay with you. I would rather serve you than to be free. And when that happened, they were backed up to a doorpost, and all was put to their ear, and they were marked from that day forward as belonging to the great master. Now, you've got to remember, four out of every five people you would meet on the streets of Rome or any major city in Rome, four out of five people would have been slaves. That's right. It was a kingdom of slavery. It was a kingdom of the haves and the have-nots. If you saw one coming down the street and they had that mark in their ear, you would know they're a bond slave. And what you would say is, oh, what a master they must have. They were, they had the opportunity to go free, but in their freedom, they chose 
to stay with that master. So Paul said, I am a bond slave of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And I'm writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. And I'm writing to the overseers, the episkopos and the diakonoi. I'm writing to the bishops, the overseers, and the deacons. That was a special class of servant in the Greco-Roman world, and it was an official office. It was a title in the church, and uh, they worked with the overseers. Now, the word overseer, episkopos, is used interchangeably with the word presbyteros, which is the word for elder, and poema or poimain, which is the word for shepherd. They're all three used uh, interchangeably. Now, the word shepherd is usually in the verb form. That means it has to do with the doing or what the episkopos and the elder, what they did. They fed the sheep. And uh, that's exactly their primary responsibility was to feed and lead the sheep. The overseer, episkopos, episkopos, epi is above, is a preposition which means above or over. And then the word skopos, where we get our word scope, which means to see, a micro, a microscope is a scope, an instrument that lets you see micros, small things. Then you have uh, the word telescope. The word tele means end, and so as far as you can see, it'll bring it up closer to you, telescopos. And so this is the word overseer or oversight, one who has oversight, and what they do is oversee. And this is teamed up in the New Testament with the word presbyteros, The reason is because the word presbyteros is the word for elder in the Greek text. And that's the most common word for what we call in America and in the West, the office of a pastor. But it is the word elder, and it's used many more times than anything else. And secondly, is overseer and then shepherd. In the book of Acts and in 1 Peter, the words are used interchangeably. That means there's not three different functions or it's not three different offices, but three different functions within the church of Jesus. And so this is why there's only two that are mentioned here and not three or four. And so he says, I'm writing to the leadership, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins to be thankful. I thank God. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. Every time he thought of the Philippians, he was filled with joy. And he said, I loved your fellowship. And he said, here is what I'm most grateful for. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Did you did you hear what I just read? Here's what he said. I am confident. It's what the Apostle Paul said. I am confident of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus, until the day of Jesus Christ when we stand before him. Now, what on earth is that all about? The Apostle Paul simply said to those people there, God started something and God's going to finish something. God started with you, and he's going to finish with you. This is a great verse on assurance. Listen, 
You and I cannot hold on tight enough to God because we'll let go. We're weak. But God will hold on to us, and God will see that everybody he started with, he'll finish with. Hey, God is able to do that. After all, he's God. You say, well, I just don't get that. Well, let me give you an illustration. My children still remember to this day that when we would cross busy streets when they were little, I'd say, now hold my hand. They would reach up and take me by the hand. And by the way, if they didn't, I'd reach down and grab theirs. You know why? I was going to get them to the other side. And sometimes they'd be kicking and screaming. Sometimes they'd get scared along the way. Sometimes they'd stop. Sometimes I would have to pick them up and carry them. Sometimes they laughed as we went across the street. Sometimes they cried. Sometimes I was uh, spanking them and disciplining them as we went across the street. You know why? My goal was to get them to the other side. And so I made sure they did. You see, I held on tighter than them. You know why? I'm much stronger than they are. They couldn't get away from me even though they tried. In the case that someday a child might get away from a parent, my children never got away from me as we were crossing a street. And the reason is I was holding them. I was carrying them if necessary because their destiny was with mine, wrapped up with mine in crossing the street. You see, what God started, God's going to finish. Paul told the Philippians, what God started with you is a good work. You see, no one is converted wrongly. No one is converted and saved badly. No one gets a bad start. Everybody gets a good start because when you're saved, that's a good start. That means your sin's forgiven. You've got a fresh new start, a brand new beginning. And what God starts, God is able to finish. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.